Hi, this is Cal Quantrill, and you're listening to the East Village Times Podcast. NL West, SD across the chest, youth movement, really dope ex-prospects, Big Willie, leader of the young pups, they hating on us, watching you them jump up, we ain't care, we ain't scared of nobody, the outfield mad skills, Lottie Dottie, Austin Hedges throwing out everybody, we at the ballpark, every game's a party, ignorance is bliss, so we never trip, if the pitching's up the bar, then watch out for the kids, EBT is out here broadcasting, EBT is out here podcasting. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Padres EBT podcast. Padres EBT podcast. Greetings and welcome to the East Village Times podcast. I'm your host, James Clark, and with me, as always, is Patrick Brewer. What's going on, Patrick? How are you doing uh, this evening? You know, um, I didn't think I would be spending my Thursday night thinking about Jose Rondon, but here I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Padres Twitter just never fails to bring names out of the past. And, you know, as a Padre fan, I guess it's the natural to be bitching and complaining all the time. And, and I guess that's what, what we have here. Um, speaking of Padre fans, uh, you know, we're going to bring a treat for you guys. We have Padre legend Kurt Bavakwa is here with us today. Kurt, KB, how are you doing this evening? Gentlemen, I'm doing fine, and I didn't think I would be talking about Jose Rondon tonight either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just uh, – I don't know if it's the repercussions from the the Galvez trade and, and people are upset about De Los Santos and, and the fact that, you know, Rondon was let go off the 40-man roster. I, mean, I, I don't know. I mean, you've been around Padre fans uh, long enough, KB. You just it's, – it's natural for us to find something to complain about, right? Well, you know what, James? I don't think it's just Padre fans. I think it's baseball fans in general. They're, okay. You know, with especially with social media nowadays, uh, you know, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Facebook with people, Instagram with people. I'm, you know, I'm a member of groups. I tell you what's a great group is uh, Dave Dunkirk's group, the Yankee uh, group that he has put together. Um, I mean, they're they're fanatical people back in New York with the Yankees. And I, you know what, up until recently, I, I don't think I've appreciated them as much as I do uh, now because, you know, I really see how much they're really into it and how much they really love that ball club. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, I think it's a great thing. You know, I've, you know, I've kind of uh, taken a step back in my old age with uh, the way I think about things and the way I used to think about things. I mean, I used to be hardcore, core, all, old school. And, uh, you know, I don't find myself holding that position that tight uh, the way I used to anymore. You know, bat flips and um, the hot dog type of approach that a lot of the nowadays ball player takes. I'm kind of enjoying it. I'm looking at it as, you know, this this is the way baseball is supposed to be played. It's it's played like that in the Sandlot, and why shouldn't it be play, it played like that on a major league field? No, I, I wholeheartedly agree. It's a it's a transition period though, because I I consider myself a baseball purist, kind of like yourself. I don't enjoy people disrespecting the game but the game's definitely changed and it's not that they're disrespecting it's that they're having fun and and the interpretation of that has definitely changed among fans and among players and it, it's i don't know if it's a latin influence because the latin players seem to always 
just go out there and you know dance around and have fun and it, and and they enjoy the fact that it is a game. So, uh, give me your thoughts on the analytical aspect of the game. I know the Padres just hired Dave Cameron from Fangraphs, who's a huge analytical guy, a guy who's always been very critical of the Padres. Uh, give me your thoughts on the analytics of the game. Is that something that you're slowly embracing as well? Well, you know, it really is, and I think that we have to nowadays. It's, uh, you know, I think analytics and sabermetrics are playing a part uh, in the free agent pool this year. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's so much information that is right at the hands of everyone involved in the game now because of analytics and because of sabermetrics and the charts that they can look at and what this guy's done against uh, left-handed pitchers on the road at night opposed to on the road during the day. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. All the information that you can get on a free agent. And you know what? I think it's becoming, without it being a said thing amongst the owners, a modern-day collusion to where player salaries are going to be held back because of all of that information. Whereas 10 or 15 years ago, if an owner saw a guy have a great year, he's just looking at the numbers and he's going to go out and offer him big money. I, I don't I don't think that's going to happen a whole lot in the future. Now, Bryce Harper, when he hits the free agent market, he's going to get big money. But I mean, you know, you look at Eric Hosmer and, and Mike Moustakas, I mean, two guys that uh, have had pretty good careers with the Kansas City Royals. And if you really go deep into their statistics and every aspect of what they've done and what they've done in the game and for the game and for their team uh, with putting up those kind of numbers, you really don't see the kind of thing that you see on their surface numbers. And I know that's maybe doesn't make sense to a lot of people, but you know, Mike Moustakas' on base percentage, I, I don't think is much above 312, but yeah. 314, something like that. And you, you would have never imagined that. I mean, if you see a guy that's uh, slugging the way he is and hitting the kind of number of home runs that he is, and he's putting up a pretty decent batting average, I mean, his on base percentage is terrible. And if, if I'm an owner, I'm not going to give a guy. $120 million or $150 million over seven years uh, that's got an on-base percentage of three, 310, uh, I don't care if he hits 25 home runs. And I think things are starting to go in that direction. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think Mike Moustakas is at, like like you said, like 314. And I think this, this off-season market kind of just goes to show um, – we have such a convergence of information. I mean, every team is is more or less working from the same uh, set of data. I mean, there's really no teams at this point that haven't bought into like the sabermetric revolution. So it's like everyone's everyone's operating with that same information, and it seems like I mean, I don't want to say collusion because it's not. I don't think it's really collusion, but yeah, I think the I, I think that smart baseball. I mean, knowing knowing more about the game and more about these players, I think it's definitely driving down costs. And I mean, sure, guys like Bryce Harper or Manny Machado are still going to get paid, but um, with a market like this where there's not really too many standout talents, I mean, you see the the values getting depressed, and guys like Hosmer and Jake Arrieta, Yu Darvish, uh, JD Martinez are all still on the market. And here we are, January 18th, 
Um, we're less than a month from pitchers and catchers reporting, and we still have all these guys. And really, I think like half half of like the top like 50 free agents at least are still unsigned. So it's just been a, a crazy off season all around. I mean, is there any off season you can remember, um, Kurt, that that's been this kind of crazy? Oh yeah, eighty five and eighty six. <laughs> <laughs> that is a Which, good point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and you know I'm not by any means saying that there's collusion going on in baseball because I don't believe there is. I just think it's the number game, mm-hmm. and I also think that a lot a lot of it has to do with uh, with the salary cap. Mm-hmm. I think uh, you know I think the Dodgers and the, and the Red Sox and the Yankees of the world. Are starting to realize, hey, I don't, I don't want to have to pay a fifty million dollar fine. I'm yeah. going to do my best to uh, to keep this salary down below uh, the cap number, um, you know, where I've got some room to maneuver and I can do some things. And they're they're getting a little, you know, what they're bringing in young kids to run their front offices that they might not necessarily have a baseball background where they've had spikes on the ground. But these kids are pretty smart, and I think that's really starting to take effect in the game right now where we're seeing what we're seeing with this free agent. I'm really anxious to see beyond the Bryce Harpers of the world and the top-name players of the world because you're, you're always going to have your elite few guys that are going to bring and get all the money. And then you're going to have the guys – that we're talking about now, and by no means am I trying to badmouth Mike Mustakas by pointing out uh, his on-base percentage because I'm not. But that that's such a telling number, uh, and it's a number that could have been easily accessed 15 years ago. And I don't know if there were other people that signed long-term contracts that had an on-base percentage that low. I really don't. When I first heard it, because I didn't look at it, I was really surprised. I would have thought he was up around 340 or, or 350 at least. But I don't, yeah. want a, I don't want a guy in my lineup, especially a guy that I'm, you know, one of the guys that I'm building a club around with a 310 to 315 on base percentage. Yeah, exactly. And we're at the point of this game where you can't hide behind his career home runs, 3080, I think is what he hit last year. There's other numbers that that stat that that are that are just more important than home runs and RBIs. That you know, on base percentage is is a huge thing. And like you say, you don't want to get invested into someone who can potentially hurt you long term. So that, that's where we we are with the Eric Hosmer talk. Uh, you know, you and I converse quite often, but I've never really asked you about Hosmer and what your thoughts are on the Padres potentially investing upwards of 140 to $160 million in him? I, I think it would be a foolish move. Okay. And, and the reason I feel that way is because I don't think they're ready for Eric Hosmer. Yeah, yeah. So in, until this ball club, I'm not going to add a guy that's going to increase my payroll that high and a player of that caliber until I'm ready to win. Yeah. And this ball club's not ready to win. That's all there is to it, and they're not they're not going to win um, or be in a position to win until probably late 19, uh, somewhere around the 2020 season. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it just makes sense, like you say, to – you know, we had a, a national 
a sports writer on uh, Dan Zimborski who used the analogy that you don't go and buy clothes uh, for yourself when you're going on a diet. You don't buy clothes two sizes smaller when you're going on a diet now. You, you do it when the time is right, and I think that's a, that's a good analogy. The time will be right for this team to spend money, and it's just not now because we don't know if Eric Hosmer is the missing piece. You already have a first baseman. You have a lot of young players that are that are moving around and mixing around. You don't know who can emerge from year to year, so investing that type of money into someone that that's, quite frankly, a you know, slightly above average player to an average player. It's 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 scary for for a Padre franchise. Um, I'm sorry. I don't know. I'm sorry to hear that that guy said that because I constantly continue to buy pants, <laughs> and I have so many pairs of pants that are hanging in my closet with tags on them that I can't. <laughs> it's it's you, no fun. Yeah, you're using them for motivation. <laughs> Um, there, there you go. Motivation. Exactly. You know, let's talk about something in Major League Baseball that's kind of come up in the last couple of years, and that's pace of play. Um, that's been in the news recently. I know Tony Clark's uh, has been kind of trying to, I don't know, work with the Players Union and work with Major League Baseball and improving that. Uh, you've played in different eras of the game. You saw the Randy Jones era where he would throw a complete game in two, under two hours to up until now where we have four-hour-long games. What in your, what what do you think would actually slow down or actually speed up games and, and make it more fan accessible? I guess or more for, fan entertaining. You know that that whole thing has got me completely confused <laughs> because, well, for one thing, Tony Clark's not doing anything to help with pace to play. I mean, the Players Association tonight rejected. Uh, MLB's proposal for the clock. Mm-hmm. So he's not doing anything in order to get get along with Major League Baseball. I think my, uh, Rob Manfred can implement it on his own, and that's probably what's going to happen. And then if it falls flat on its face or if it's not successful, then Tony Clark and the Players Association is going to be able to look back and see, see, I told you so. <laughs> so they're going to try to stay out of it and wash their hands of it. Um you know, I, I think there are parts of the game where you need to put your foot down. You need to, say, speed it up a little bit. You know, naturally, there's certain players. I mean, we always talked about Mike, Mike Hargrove being a human rain delay uh, when he was a hitter because of all the antics that he used to pull when he got out of the batter's box, adjusting his shirt, adjusting his batting gloves, doing this with the pine tar on his bat, and getting ready to hit each and every pitch. Um, and there's pitchers uh, that do things like that now. And you just need to speed them up a little bit. Um, You know, I think it's something that's going to be implemented. I think we're going to see it opening day this year at Petco Park. Uh, We're going to see a pitch clock. They call it a pitch clock, but it's actually a time clock uh, that's going to be up on the scoreboard. You're going to be able to see it. The umpires are going to be looking at it. And there's somebody going to be in charge of that uh, up in the press box. That's going to be an important factor as far as the game's concerned. And he's going to keep things going. And they're not going to they're not going to let that happen. The days of the Randy Jones and the Jim Cotts and the and the pitchers like that that got the ball and threw it. I think those days are over. Yeah. You know, I think there's guys that still like to think 
that they're that kind of pitcher. <laughs> we're never going to see an hour and 25-minute game again. I mean, it's just not going to happen. But on the other hand, do the owners, does Major League Baseball really want the game to last for two hours? Yeah, I don't seriously. Think, I don't think they do. Yeah. I don't think yeah. they do. I think they want to keep the fans' butt in the stands for as long as they possibly can and keep them going back and forth to the concession stands, keep them going back and forth to the gift stores and the Padre stores of the world that are around the league and around baseball and buying things up. When they go to the ballpark, they want them to spend money. And the longer they're there, the more money they're going to spend. So I think it's asinine for somebody to think that everybody in baseball wants to cut the games back to two hours and get in there and get out again because I just don't think it's that way. I'll tell you what they need to do. They need to open up the game to the fans again. They need to open up the gates before an hour and a half before the game. Yeah, yeah. They you can't even you can't even see the home team take batting practice anymore. That's right. You know why? That's a bit. That's it's horrible. When was the last time you saw a major league team take infield? Yeah, seriously. You don't see it anymore. No. And and that's because the players are pampered and they're spoiled. I mean, we used to be mandated. If you didn't take infield, you didn't play. Wow. On teams that I played on. And we're not, you know, we're not going back to the dark ages here. We used to have fun taking infield. And and there was only, I mean, there were there were times. I remember being with the Pirates. And after we took infield, we took infield after the visiting team took batting practice. So after we got through with infield, we'd go back into the clubhouse and change into our game uniforms and game gear. Uniform we had on because... That's just the that was that was the rules. I mean, you had to be in full uniform when you took the field. You know, you see guys now that the fans never see. You know, out in shorts. Yeah. You know, running in the outfield, uh, and you know, is it a bad thing? No, not really. I mean, times change and things happen. But I mean, come on, put your uniform on. You know, look like a professional. Uh, when there's fans in the stands and when things are going on in the stands that uh, people are going to look up, the kid's going to look at his favorite player uh, and he's going to, he's going to say to himself, you know, that's the way I want to look when I put on my little league uniform this year. And if the guy's not dressed appropriately or dressed the way uh, that he should be, uh, the kid's going to remember that. And, And that's what this game is all about. It's about idolizing uh, it's about looking up to certain people and certain players and, and trying to be, you know, they become a role model for you and they don't even know it. So I, I think it's an important part of the game. I, I would certainly like to see them open up the gates. And I don't know why they don't want to. I mean, going back to what I just said, the longer somebody is in the stands, the more money they're going to spend at the ballpark. If they're locked outside the gates and those gates don't open until an hour and a half before the game, they're not spending any money in the ballpark. They're they're either arriving and I you know, I know it's a time factor and you want people to get home from work and you want everybody to have 
the same type of opportunities as far as getting into the stands. But you know what? Not everybody goes to every game. People go, you know, you might a, a good fan with his family might go to 10 games a year. Mm-hmm. Well, for those 10 games, that guy ought to be able to, and, and gal, ought to be able to bring their kids into the stands and let them watch batting practice, let them watch infield practice. I mean, look how much they hype the home run derby. See what happens when you get me started? (laughs) (laughs) We can't stop them. Uh, 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 Kurt, I want to talk to you about a little bit about the Padres. I mean, obviously the Padres have a big place in your heart. Um, I I want to talk to you about kind of how you see the organization now, um, how you think they're doing as an organization. You think they're on the right track. I mean, they've obviously made big strides in the farm system. It seems like the analytical department's uh, in a good place. A.J. Preller's putting people in place. Um, I kind of wanted your thoughts on just how they're doing and if you think there's anything they can do to improve uh, their position in San Diego. Because I know that's one thing that's maybe not always been perfect, their perception uh, within the city. Um, Is there anything you think that they could be doing better to improve that sort of standing in the community? (laughs) Now I'm going to get you going, huh? (laughs) Uh, You know, when it, when it, when it comes to AJ, there's two guys that are in this organization that were, I think, fantastic hires. And one of them's AJ Preller, and the other one's Andy Green. Uh, I think those two guys are as good as it gets when it comes to baseball management. I think the baseball ops department of this organization is as good as there is in Major League Baseball. I think the ownership of this organization uh, is as good as it gets. Um, unless they've got me completely fooled. Uh, you know, Ron Fowler, Peter Seidler, uh, Tom Seidler, uh, and the uh, and the ownership group, I think, are top-notch people. I think they want to bring a winner to San Diego. They're just trying to figure out how to do it. Um, now, there's certain other aspects of the organization that that I'm not real high on, um, that I'm, I've been disappointed with. As a matter of fact, uh, over the last couple of years, but uh, that's maybe for a whole other show that we can talk about what ticks me off and what doesn't. <laughs> uh, there's definitely many aspects of this team that needs to be improved. Um, we will, I guess, we will save those for a different podcast because I'm sure uh, KB would just go off on. on we, don't have, we don't have enough time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, really, we don't have enough time for for certain. Uh, <laughs> Certain things, um, you know. Let, let's talk about. Let's talk a little more about this team, and specifically, specifically Will Myers, uh, who is arguably the face of the franchise, the everyday player, the the team that uh, was signed, the, the team signed him to a long term contract. He is the man who is supposed to help lead this team into a promised land. He had a down year last year. Um, what do you see from him in the future? Do you think that he can pick it up offensively? Um, I, I'm a little concerned with his mentality and the way he approaches the game, the way he approaches at, his at-bats from time to time. Um, give me a little bit about Myers and, and what you see from that young man. All you have to do is look at Will Myers in the dugout. Look at Will Myers uh, in pregames. Look at him even during the game sometimes. And just watch the way he wears his hat. 
He's not the guy. <laughs> and I think it was unfair for this organization, unbeknownst to them, to try to make him the face of the franchise. I think there was too much pressure. They did the same thing with Matt Kemp, and he wasn't the right guy. Yeah. Will, Will is a great guy. He's fun-loving. He is a fabulous ball player. He's got a hell of a lot of ability. But he's not the guy that if somebody screws up, if somebody does something wrong, even if whether management sees it or not, Will Myers is not the guy that's going to get this guy, back him up against the wall, and slap him around. <laughs> yeah, you don't, you don't see that from me. And I don't mean in a literal sense. Almost, though. You, you almost do, though. <laughs> That'd be fun to see, though, no? <laughs> I mean, does that happen anymore? Uh, no, pro- probably, probably not. not. Not in, the, yeah, not exactly. in this day and age. I mean, but, 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 Billy Martin uh, still manage nowadays? Could Dick Williams still manage a major league team? I, I don't think so. Yeah, he would be hammered on social media probably. But you, you, But you're right. You know, the team needs an aggressive leader like that. Someone like a Ken Caminiti in the, in the late 90s era who made everyone accountable for their actions. If they said something in the media that was contradictory to what the team wanted, Caminiti had no problem calling you out, had no problem getting in your face and telling you that. And Myers it just isn't that person, and you're right. He's, he's never going to be that way. He's a laid-back guy. Was, but what was Cammy? If you think back, James, what was Cammy? Was he ever advertised as the face of the franchise? No, he wasn't, no. Exactly. Yeah. That stuff happens naturally. Mm-hmm. You're right. You know, you know, John Smoltz became a leader with the Atlanta Braves during the course of his career down there. When when John Smoltz showed up, he certainly, sure as hell, wasn't advertised as a face of the Atlanta Braves. There were a lot of other guys in that locker room, and he became a silent leader. And then after a few years, an outward leader. But stuff like that just happens naturally. It's nothing. Yeah. You can't put a hat on a guy and say, there's our guy. Mm-hmm. Just, it doesn't work that way. Especially nowadays, when players are under the microscope a hell of a lot more than they were. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you can't force him to have those tendencies to be aggressive in that nature and to get his point across. And to it's just an, it's not fair for the team to put him in that regard. So Myers is going to be an excellent, hopefully, complimentary piece. Do you see anybody on the current Padre roster who can fit that bill? I mean, I know that's that's usually a veteran type player. I know it's early to kind of prognosticate on on who could be that leader type person, but out of these young kids, have you seen anyone who has that mentality to kind of hold players accountable for their actions? You know, I'm not – I don't think it would be fair for me to comment on that, and I'll tell you why. Because okay. I'm not close enough. Okay. That's fair if, enough. If I was um, – you know who I think that guy should be now? Mm-hmm. 
Andy Green. Okay. That's his job. Yeah. And I think he does it. I think we saw a side of Andy Green, and we also saw saw a side of Dave Roberts last year that none of us ever thought would we we would ever see. So there's a side to Andy Green that I think surprised a lot of people, and and everybody sat back and, and said, "Wow, we didn't know he had that in him," but he does. So that night proved to me that if something happens in a game or if somebody does something stupid on the road or on the bus or just in general, Andy Green's going to get in their grill and they're going to know about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you've ever seen Andy Green face-to-face, you, you he is an intense guy. He looks you eye-to-eye eye and he gets in your soul when he's talking to you, so... That's an excellent point. He's definitely making these young players aware of what their responsibilities are on the ball field, and and, and that's a great thing for a young team because the Padres are, are made up of a a young squad. I mean, Clayton Richards, the the elder statement, and and you know he's a pitcher. You, you expect uh you know you want leaders to be formed out of position players and, and players that are there every day. So we'll just have to wait on 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 the Padres, and hopefully someone will emerge in that aspect. Um, you know where it'll be? Four or five years down the road? Yeah. Yeah. One of the you know, one of the younger players that's on this ball club now that hopefully uh will be in San Diego for a, a long period of time, even though that's normally not what hap- what happens in the game of baseball uh, in this day and age. You know, I, I I hope I get to see Manny Margot play for 15 years. Mm-hmm. And I, I will get to see him play for 15 years, but I don't know if it's going to be in a Padre uniform, but it's just the nature of the game. Yeah. You know, yeah. guys become eligible for free agency. Uh, even before they become eligible for free agency, the, the ball club tries to sign them. Uh to uh, a three, four, five-year contract that's going to bring them into a couple of their free agent years where they don't have to worry about leaving. They give them a little stability, uh, but they're not paying them as much money as the player could make if, in fact, they put together good numbers and went out on the free agent market. It's a smart move, I think, of the ball club to do it that way. And I'm not just saying the Padres. I'm talking about a baseball team in general. And it's also a smart move by the player to accept it because now he has financial stability for his family. He knows where he's going to be for quite a few years, and it's a good thing for everybody. So, it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really anxious to see what's going to happen uh, with this the free agent class that we have going on right now uh, in the next couple of weeks. I mean, it's less than a month. Uh, before spring training starts in, in some yeah. And, you know, there's 30 guys, 40 guys that don't know what team they're going to be on. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. It really is. Yeah, they, they've got to be uh, at their uh, agent's uh, throat just constantly asking for updates on, on, you know, what are we at, where are we at, who's offering what. It's uh, 
it's going to be an interesting time. I think the Padres are definitely playing their cards right on Hosmer. Um, I'm afraid that they're going to get extended too far into the six, seven, eight year deal, but we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, it, it's, you know, it's not our job. It's AJ Preller's job and his baseball operations team. So we just have to put the faith that they're going to do the homework and, and, and make the right call. Cause this Padre team cannot afford to make a, a major uh, mistake like that. And, and Hosmer can potentially hurt this team long-term and that's uh that could be crippling for this, this franchise. Well, we're going to, I think we're going to find out real fast how much say that camera kid has um, yeah. with this organization because I don't think he was a big Hosmer fan uh, when he was up north. No, Patrick, was, uh, obviously Cameron was not big on on, uh, on Hosmer, correct? No, I mean, I, I think it, it's not that he wasn't big on him. It's just for the contract terms we're talking, Yeah, he, it wasn't the right deal. So, yeah, I mean, Hosmer's a fine player, and I think Cameron knows that, but you're not paying big bucks for a, a two or three win player. So yeah, exactly. Well, it, it is what it what's is. Your guy, what's, your, what's your guy's position on Hosmer? Both Patrick and I do not want to both Patrick and I would love the deal at like five years and a hundred million. Tops. Uh, that's, that's not going to happen. And that's tops. What we would want. Um, I'd like four. I'd like four and 80, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> but, but even then it's contradictory because you're paying money for a player now when the team's not ready to win. Uh, I understand what their thought process is and trying to energize the fan base, and he's a left-handed hitter and all the clubhouse stuff and all this stuff, but it's just the, just the timing isn't right. If this was a year from now, then I would probably be all in. At this point, it's just I don't know. The timing's just not right for me, and I don't, I don't want to speak for Patrick, but I think he feels pretty much the same way. Yeah, I mean, I think for me it's less about timing and more about um... – I don't think it's really a position of need. I don't think you're better off with Will Myers in the outfield. And at the same time, I, I don't think I don't think you should be tying up future payroll in a position that you don't necessarily need when you don't really know what your holes are going to be. I mean, right now, third base is a hole. I, I mean, I'd rather them – I know Mike Moustakas has his warts, but if you had to sign one of those two, I'd almost rather sign Moustakas because he's filling a need at least. But, um, yeah, long term, I don't, I don't like tying up a bunch of payroll for a guy who's just not as good as the money – seems to to be i guess that was a those were strange moves yeah Uh, made i understand um evidently baseball ops being high on that right-handed pitcher that they got along with um headley well along with chase um yeah back from but i gotta tell you i i don't I'm not that high on that that kid, so I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, I think Brian Mitchell has the ability to be a decent back end rotation member. Hopefully, um, it's the Darren Ballsy factor. I think that AJ's counting on that he can turn him into something decent. And you know, I, I don't mind Headley. He's defensively adequate. He's only going to be here one year. You know, I, there's still a chance that they could potentially move him. It's, it's just a name at this point. And, and Jabari Blash was just, he was never going to play on this team. So at this point, I'm intrigued with what Mitchell can bring. And spending $13 million on, on Headley just, it doesn't bother me too, as, as much as I guess it does for some Padre fans who are. That's because it's not your money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. $13 million is 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 no chump change, that is for sure. Um, KB, this this was oh, we had a great time talking to you. We we could go on and on. There's so many things that we didn't hit on. 
San Diego Talk Radio <laughs> would we would be here for an, an hour, I think, talking about that in, in itself. Um, we definitely want to have you on soon, but let's do we'd it. Like, we'd like to break some news that that uh, we've heard in, in that I've heard in the last uh, couple of weeks from you that uh, you're starting a podcast. So give us some information on that. I know the Padre fans would love to to listen to what Dirty Kurt has to say on a day on a daily or weekly <laughs> basis. It's not going to be daily. I mean, I they, <laughs> couldn't handle me daily. Okay, so it's, okay. uh, it's going to be a weekly uh, uh, podcast in live Facebook. Nice. Uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I'm doing at it. Uh, I'm doing it. The show out of Ignite Media down in Mission Valley. Uh, so it's going to be a, you know, it's going to be a nicely produced. Uh, at least while I'm in San Diego, uh, because. Um, you know, I will be traveling around a little bit this summer. And uh, so when I'm not able to have Ignite Media studio time, then I'm going to have to uh, learn the technology like you guys have. Yeah. Your, your, can, your, your production value will drop dramatically like ours. I hope, <laughs> I hope I can do it as well as you guys are doing it. But, uh, yeah, it, it's uh, Dirty Courage Dugout. Oh, nice. Yeah. Hosted by me. Um, it's actually the first time publicly that I've uh, I've said anything about it. I've got uh, uh, a couple of guys uh, that are helping me out. Uh, Tex Padre is, uh, is a guy on social media that lives in Texas. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then I've, I've also got uh, uh, the man with all the knowledge, um, along with Jeff out of Texas, uh, uh, Dave Ratz that lives in, uh, in Maui. So, uh, social media is crazy these days and it's amazing Excellent. the teams that you can put together, but you know, we're really looking forward to it. Um, it's going to be a fun show. I think the content, um, is going to be exceptional. Uh, you know, I think people are never know, never going to know what uh, what I'm going to say. Certainly, uh, but <laughs> you know, we're going to we're going to bring good content. Uh, we're going to bring interesting things, um, and things that I don't think your everyday podcast is going to be able to bring. Nice, uh, nice. I mean, I I might just get on the phone and call Johnny Bench. <laughs> Excellent. That that's what I'm talking about. That's that's fantastic you know, stuff. When you're able to do stuff like that, um, and and have that uh, that friendship at your fingertips, you know it's kind of cool. Or yeah. you know have have some type of a rule, a ruling to where you're talking about the rules of the game. I, I can't tell you how many times I text Joe West last year uh, for the my post game show. You know what? Last year I didn't even do it. It's I can't believe how quickly last year, yeah, yeah, really, back in 2016, when I was doing uh, the pre and the post game show on uh, on 1090 Radio, and then also doing the uh, the post game alumni show from uh, uh, from the ballpark down at the AMR studio in left field. Um, I relied on Joe West a lot. I mean, if people watch that show, uh, they know that I had him on the air. Joe and I are pretty good friends. I mean, he's He's been around baseball for 39 years now. So, uh, you know, he's a guy that broke in during the time that I was playing. And uh, if there's 
if there's one guy in the game that knows the rules, uh, Joe West is one of them. And anytime you have little idiosyncrasies that you're not sure about, calling on a guy like that, you know, you get the answer right away. So it's always good to have people like that at your fingertips. Excellent. Yeah, that, we've, I've been anticipating your podcast because you have so many different stories, so many different aspects of the game that you can bring. Uh, Tex Padre uh, Jeffrey is a, is a contributor to us. He, he wrote an excellent piece on you a couple of years ago. I'm, I'm glad that you and Hey were able to hook up and, and kind of get the ball rolling on this. Uh, I know Padre fans are going to love hearing uh, just the stories that you have. I mean, the, the information that you can bring is is valuable. Uh, we all miss that Padre Social Hour alumni special thing that that Partello killed. You know, it's it's <laughs> tragic that that that's not lo- no longer even in in the thought process of the Padres. But you know, we'll save that for another show. Um, that's KB- it. That's it. That's in the don't. Don't get me started, folder. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, 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 we got we got plenty of topics for the next time we bring you on. Um, yeah, we do. Yeah, we, we certainly we do. Because because the man talk radio is just abysmal right, right now. I mean, it really is. Um, Kurt, thank you so much for for taking the time to join us. Uh, Dirty Kurt's dugout is that what the podcast is going to be titled? I appreciate it, guy. Dirty Kurt's dugout. Dirty Kurt's dugout, folks. You guys look for that. It's going to be well worth your time. Uh, Kurt Bavakwa here. Thank you so much again for joining us. Uh, you, have man. a great I night. I really appreciate it. Thank you, KB. Have a good one, man. Take care, Kurt. You got it. Yeah. Talk to you, Patrick. Bye. Well, there you go, folks. Uh, Kurt Bavakwa, Padre legend. Uh, you know, shooting the shit with us. He's a great guy. Uh, always willing to talk. Always willing to to give his opinion. That that podcast is going to be so much fun. Patrick, yeah, I mean, I mean uh, don't you think? James, me and you can be the we'll, we'll be the first ones to welcome Kurt to uh, the golden age of Padres podcast. Exactly, we'll have to have to let news. Jagoff know that there's a new entrant. <laughs> yeah, bre- breaking news! He'll he'll be right up to the top for sure. I mean, everyone's <laughs> going to be all, all over that. Yeah, I mean. it's going to be a great show. I'm definitely going to give it a listen. Uh, Dirty Kurt's dugout. Looking forward yeah. to it. I didn't even know that was a title too, and I threw that to him. That's a pretty exactly. great title. I mean, I, I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, no, that that's uh, and that's fitting because he, he he loves to talk. He he has so many stories. I mean, it's Kurt and uh, KB and I have, have become acquaintances over the last couple of years, and, and uh, we talk here and there. And it, it, he's just a great guy. So definitely check out his his podcast and support him. Um, I think we're about good, Patrick. There's uh, we're going to go into some a little bit of current Padre news, but I think we'll save that for our next show. Uh, so you and I can kind of just rant at each other. Oh, yeah. Lord knows we need to rant, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's all we're uh, good at here. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So go ahead and send us out. I think we are good to go. Uh, that Kurt Bavakwa interview was uh, was an excellent thing to to, uh, to deal with. Yeah, always great talking to Kurt. Uh, never a dull moment. Um, uh, we are hosted on Podbean. You can find us there. Uh, give us a follow. Uh, we're anywhere you find your podcasts. If you have Google Play, uh, Stitcher, Podcast Republic, Apple Podcasts, we're everywhere. If you, for some reason you you don't see me, don't see us on there somewhere, let me know. I can uh, fix that. Um, we're on Twitter at EVT Podcast. James is at EVT underscore News at EVT underscore J Clark. Um, I, I somehow unfollowed James recently. He was giving me a hard time about that. <laughs> we're all good now. Um, yeah. I'm a uh, Patrick Brewer 93. Uh, give me a follow if you want me to, if you want to hear me rant about, you know, whatever. And, and you know, it's the usual stuff, but, um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, uh, thank you for uh, listening and, uh, stay tuned for more. East Village thank you, podcast folks. is signing out. Thank you folks. I just want to say one last thing. 
Ooh. Patrick, thank thank you so much for following me again. It, it really made me feel so much special. I know, man. You have like thousands of followers, but obviously you didn't have the most important one. Exactly. I had I had to get the analytical data, data from you. Uh, okay, there we go. We're, we're now we can here. leave. Uh, right. Thank you, folks. For, yeah, thank you, folks, for joining us. East Village Times podcast is signing out. EBT is out here broadcasting. EBT is out here podcasting. Question and answer, James and Patrick. Ask them. Question and answer, James and Patrick. Ask them. Padres EBT podcast. Padres EBT podcast.